when uh, Herbert and I were first kind of getting to know each other and, and becoming friends, and now he's one of my closest friends in this whole world, but when we first started kind of connecting, he would call up to, to my church, and, and he'd talk to the secretary and say, hey, can I talk to Pastor Tommy? And, and they'd say, hey, can we tell him what's this regarding? And, and uh, he would tell him, you just go tell him it's the only black friend he's got. And, uh, <laughs> and I said, okay, Herbert, here's my cell phone number. You can now call me directly. And uh, we've been friends ever since, and, and uh, he, honestly, you know, I'd, I would just like to say this uh, about him and, and about you. Uh, I'm just so proud of Herbert Cooper, and, uh, and he is such a good leader and, and good pastor, and, and I'm so proud of this church, too. Uh, and, and I would say this, <clears throat> this is important. Uh, Oklahoma City needs this church, needs people's church, because it represents Christ. And, and if this church was not here, it would, it would leave a huge vacuum in this church and in and, and, and every community places like this are needed but but let me just tell you something and this is big this is important what's going on right now and 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 i would tell you that you don't see this in most places and, and a lot of you some of you are new to church or whatever and maybe you're just now connecting with christ and that's cool uh, but others of you were raised in church and you've been around churches and some of those business meetings they have and, and the fighting and they're not reaching the world. Hey, what is happening right here, right now? You don't see that every day. And, and so I say, boy, get, get behind your leader. Get behind support. Let God do what he does. And, and you're going to see some good things here in Oklahoma City. And, and I'll tell you this. If, if I lived within an hour's drive of this place, within an hour's drive, and wasn't pastoring a church, uh, and I'm, just saying, I'm not just saying that because Herbert Coors is my friend, but, but I would come here. Every week. So, so if you're visiting today, this is it. This is the place. So save your gas. Don't drive around some other place. This is it. Just come on in here, and uh, you've found your home. So, hey, I want to talk to you today about faith and hopefully encourage you just a little bit. I have a talk called Faith, Hope, and Luck, and, and I'm a big believer that faith is like this lifelong journey. And it's got a lot of ups and it's got a lot of downs. And, and you know that because, because with this many people in one room, you're in different places in your journey. And some of you, man, right now, God's just doing some cool things in your life. And you wake up and you smell the roses, sunshine, and you're like, yay, that reminds me of Jesus. Give me a J. Yes, you have. You're, you're just into it. Others of you, man, you're, you know, you were there at one time or you used to go to a VBS or youth group or something. It's just been so long since you felt connected to God. And, and part of you being here today is trying to find your way back and get that connection. And, and others of you, quite honestly, maybe you're not a Christ follower yet. And it's because you have a million questions, and they're honest questions. And you, you are not wrong for having those questions, but you're here, and you're trying to figure this whole thing out. It's, it's a journey of faith. It's a journey of faith. And um, there was a time for me that my faith was just stretched in a big way. And, and that's pretty much what I want to talk about today, stretching your faith. And uh, this moment happened for me when I was in Bible college, and uh, I wasn't raised in church. I became a Christian when I was 18 years old, and, and 11 months later, I was in this thing called Bible college that I barely even understood. And all these kids were talking about going into ministry, and I was thinking, maybe, I just don't know what my gifts or my talents are. And, and I had never preached at this point that my faith is true. never preached, trying to figure out who I am, what I am. And I was involved with this youth group where the youth pastor would take students from the youth group, and uh, he would take them on what we call choir tours. So, so they would sing to a church, and then he would get up and preach for like 20 minutes after they were done singing. Well, I couldn't sing, and not gifted, never preached, so I never even went on those things. And, and he came to me and another leader in the youth group one time, and he says, listen, we're going to take a trip to the Northwest. We're going to do choir tours there. And, and Gary, the other guy, Tommy, I want you to come with us. And, and the church we're at Sunday morning, Gary, you're going to get up and you're going to preach when the choir's done. Tommy, church we're going to Sunday night, you're going to get up and, and you're going to preach. And, and I was nervous. I never preached before. I didn't know. I, I, a year and a half before, I'm like not even in church. I don't even get the game. I don't understand. But, but hey, okay, I'm going to try this because I have to find out if I can do this or not. So I'm going to go with you and I'm going to preach. So off we go to the Northwest. And, and on that Sunday morning, Gary gets up, follows the choir, and he preaches to a crowd of less than 100. And so I'm sitting out there like where you are, and I'm watching him, and I'm going, maybe I can do this. I hope I can do this. And, and so I'm watching him, and so I'm like, okay. And so we get on the bus to go to the church I'm going to go to that night. And, and I'm on the bus rehearsing my notes. I got my notes, and I'm rehearsing them, and I'm shaking, and my stomach hurts. Man of faith here. Stomach hurts, head hurts, and, and I'm just nervous. You ever been in that place where you're just nervous? And, and so here we go. And, and my youth pastor just, just has this way of leaving details out. Uh, like this one, 
We pull up to this church that night. I'm expecting less than 100 people. We pull up to a mega church. It looked like a shopping mall. And I'm like, I jumped out of the bus. And I go, ah, ah, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't do this. And he said, you're gonna, gonna, gonna do it. So, so I'm sitting where you are here in the longest walk of my life to this day. Was that little walk right here to come up those steps? And I'm walking out. I mean, a year and a half ago, I don't even know what church was. And I'm walking to the podium. And I put my notes down. And I look out at these people. And, and I'm praying this prayer of faith over and over. God, don't let me throw up in front of these people. Please. Just, just don't. Just don't. Just don't. That is not going to be good. So don't let me throw up. And, and, and if, in Jesus' name. Amen. And, and, and so I busted out. For 20 minutes, I bust out this talk. And I could barely breathe. And... I didn't even know if they were paying attention to me, and part of me didn't care. I just wanted to get through with it. And, and I had this talk from Joshua 7 about this guy named Achan. And, and uh, I called it, Destroy That Which Is Devoted to Destruction in Your Life. And, and at the end of it, uh, and this is Sunday Night Crowd, and, and there's over a 1,000 people in there. I mean, it's huge. And, and they're the committed Christians, Sunday night, and, and, and it's 1,000 people I'm preaching to. And I said, everybody bow your heads. I said, how many of you have something in your life that's devoted to your destruction? It is messing you up. And their heads are bowed. And half of them, half of them raised their hands. And I was shocked. I didn't think they were listening to me. I wasn't listening to myself. And so my eyes just got like this, and their heads are bowed. And I looked from left to right. And I said this into the microphone. I said, you have got to be kidding me. <laughs> and, and then they started, they started lifting their eyes up. I go, bow your heads. Man, we're going to have to pray. You people got issues. Now, come on. And, 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 I, and I pray and I pray and I, I got to it. Here's what I learned. Nothing's impossible with God. If I can pull that off that day, nothing's impossible and my faith was stretched. Now, now, question, question, question. When was the last time your faith was stretched? And, and, and are you in a place where you feel like you can trust God no matter what and you think he can still come through for you in your situation or, 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 and, and no condemnation if, if this is you uh, because we're just having an honest conversation or... That's the word impossible creeped into your vocabulary. And, and maybe it has with your marriage. And you're like, man, I didn't sign up for this and thought it would be better, and now it's not, and that's where I am. Or, or maybe with your career and your job, you have these dreams and goals, but then here's your career, and they're not matching. And you're like, yeah. Or, or, or maybe it is with your finances, and that's not happening. Or, or your faith and your spirituality has become cold, and you're just not sure if, if God can fix some of these issues. Or maybe right now you're, you're single. And you just don't know if you're ever going to find the right person out there. And God, do you have that right person? Or you're single again. And, and it's a lot of things, life, but it's not easy for you right now. Or maybe you're not a follower of Christ. And you've got all these questions. You're trying to figure this out. You want to connect with God. But it's just hard. And it's hard to have faith. And, or you're going through an issue right now. And it's a real issue. Maybe you're depressed right now. Or maybe you have a habit right now. Maybe you have an addiction. And you come into a place like this. You're like, oh, it's Sunday. It's church. Everybody's got it all together. Look how perfect they look. They're not perfect. They have issues. They just clean up real nice and put on the smelly stuff. And their hair looks like, no, they're messed up. We're all messed up. We're on a journey of finding God here. And, and you're, you're wondering, can God help me with these issues? Or are you going through it with your kids? You're like, I raised them better. What are they doing? Why? Or, or, or you're in the place where you just have a huge, 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 huge decision that you have to make right here, right now. And, and, and I want to do this. I want to take you through a journey in the book of John, chapter 6. And uh, here's my goal. My goal is to rip the word impossible from your vocabulary today. Now, now again, faith is a journey. Uh, it's life. It's ups and downs. And I'm a believer. If you hang in there, you hang in there. It's not just about having goosebumps. If you hang in there on the long haul, you're going to see God do some pretty incredible, impossible things in your life. John chapter 6, 1 through 4. I'm going to give you a little bit of background to this story. It says, sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is, the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs that he had performed on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountainside and he sat down with his disciples and the Jewish Passover feast was near. Now, this is a story that we know of as the feeding of the 5,000. And here's what's going on just by way of background. There, there are thousands of people that have gathered into the area for the Passover and, and this is a huge Jewish moment and celebration, and, and Jesus was Jewish. His disciples are Jewish. That's where it all started, so this is a big time for them. And uh, Jesus has been preaching to crowds of 
thousands for days. And he's been healing their sick for days. But, but he's tired, and his 12 guys, they are bone weary. They're close to burnout. When you're burnout, you're no good to anybody. So Jesus knows he has to get them to a secluded place so they can have some rest and relaxation. So he says, okay, guys, let's get away. And they go to this secluded place. But thousands of people find them and follow them because they've been offered religion for years and years and years. And now here comes this fresh voice, Jesus, and it's life. And so they're going to find him. So they go to this secluded place, and it's more important to them than food. And, and Jesus sees them, and they're away from everything. They can't get food. He starts to feel sorry for them and wants to feed them. Now, uh, other than the death and the burial and the resurrection of the Lord, this is most often told story in your Bible. It's found in Matthew, it's found in Mark, it's found in Luke, it's found in John, recorded four times, I think, for a reason. The disciples, they're going to be co-helpers after Jesus leaves. Here's what that means. During, during Jesus' ministry of three and a half years, he's up front, and the disciples are behind the scenes. When Jesus leaves, the disciples are going to be up front, and though it's Jesus' miracle, Jesus' power, they wouldn't be there without Jesus, he's behind the scenes. So he partners with them in this way, in this miracle. So, so, so today, if you're here and it's 5,000 people and you've got that whole thing going, you're going to see the disciples coming to you bringing you food and Jesus working behind the scenes. Now, now here's why that's important. That's the MO today. That's what we're doing today. It's Jesus' power. It's his miracle, his glory. But we are the ones that are up front. This church did an outreach yesterday. Who did the community see? They saw you coming to them to help them. Jesus behind the scenes. Jesus' power, Jesus' miracle, but you're up front. Now, now, here's what I want to do. I want to give you six R words. And, and this is the path of, of watching God revolutionize your faith. So, so six lessons to be learned here. And the first R word is this. There's going to be a requirement. Verses 5 and 6. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him, he says to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asks this only to really mess, 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 mess with his mind. That's my translation, by the way. Where he already had in his mind what he's going to do. He knew what he's going to do. He knows he's not going to buy food. He knows what he's going to do. He's testing Philip. And, and in your Bible, it probably says the feeding of the 5,000. And, and here's the reason why. The Jewish people back then only number men. That's it. So 5,000 men. Jesus on that day feeds women and children. They don't get left out. So guess how many people you have? 20,000. There's 20,000 people that are going to be fed. Here's your requirement. Here it is. Go feed 20,000 people with basically no food at all. There you go. Here's your requirement. You are about to be stretched beyond anything you could ever imagine. And right now you may feel that with your job and God's asking you to honor him with your job and he's stretching you or your career, your family, your family priorities. God is stretching you. He's asking you to take a step of faith with, with, with your spirituality, with your daily walk. Right now you're not a Christ follower and you've got these questions, but God's touching your heart and he's asking you to step out. It's a leap. It's a stretch. You can feel God is stretching you. When I met Herbert Cooper, this church was like a week old. He just started it. I hadn't even started my church yet. Didn't even know if I was going to start a church. I was trying to decide. Little did we know at the time how much God was going to stretch, stretch it, still stretching us. I see dirt moving back there, still stretching us. God's doing something here, still stretching. Here's, here's what Jesus is saying to his disciples, and he may as well say it to people's church. He may as well say it to you and your family and your situation. You are about to be a part of something bigger than yourself. You're about to be a blessing. You're not just called to enjoy Christ. You are not just here to invoke his blessing and power upon your career and goals. Now, here's the reason we get up here and pastors and, 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 and we try to get you to give and serve and go to a small group and do an outreach. It's because of this. You're not just recipients of salvation. You're messengers to do God's will. There is a requirement. You are going to be stretched. Now, now, now there's a second R word here. And you may be feeling this already. If you're stretched, here's your second R word. Here's what happens. It's called a recognition. Verse 7. Philip answered him, eight months wages. We're not buying enough bread. Priest, why don't you even have a bite? And, and, and this is a, a, a panic situation. 
20,000 people pressing in. Jesus behind the scenes pushing the 12 towards them. And they're kind of freaked. And they're burned out. And they're tired. They don't know what to do. And, and you get 12 guys together. There's always like a math geek in every crowd. You ever notice that with his calculator brain? He's like Rain Man or something. And he's counting toothpicks. And here's Philip. And, and, and he looks out this crowd. And he blinks a few times. And he turns back to Jesus and says, Eight months wages when I buy them one by Here, Translation. Here's the translation. It's impossible. And you may have felt this before. You may feel it right now. Jesus, what you're asking me to do, you're stretching me. What you're asking me to do, it's impossible. So, so, so Philip, Philip, good job, man. You, you, a plus in math. Uh, go to any college you want to go to, but F minus in faith. And, and here's your recognition. Here it is. You're being stretched. Here's your recognition. You're feeling it right now. I can't do this. I can't. Ken, I cannot preach to over a thousand people. Are you kidding me? I, I don't know why I signed up for this. Listen, I can't do this. You may be there right now, right now, right now. God's asking you to forgive somebody. And you're like, they don't deserve to be forgiven. I can't. I can't. I can't. He's asking you to break that self-destructive pattern. You're like, I can't. He's trying to get you to get involved in ministry. I can't. I'm not good enough. I'm not called enough. I'm not. He wants you to discipline yourself and your priorities, your daily time with God, your ministry involvement, your family, your giving. I can't. I can't. I can't. He's trying to connect with you and get you from the place where you're doubtful. And I don't want to be a Christ follower to come and join the right side here. And you're there. And you're like, I don't know. I can't. And, And it's Gideon saying, hey, 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 hey. My clan is the weakest, and I'm the weakest in my family. It is Moses saying, who am I? Now, now if you're there, you're being stressed, and you say, no, 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 I can't, uh, it's not a bad place to be. And I'll tell you why. If your response to something you feel like the Lord wants you to do is, I got that. I am the man. I was gifted for this. I am called to this. This is easy. Yes, Lord, thank you. That's your response. You're not on the edge. And, and you might be guilty of living your Christian life, your Christ-following life, in a world where you just don't need God's help for anything. You've got it figured out already. Maybe you brought your life down to your own talents and your own abilities. And, and, and when you're there, you're playing not to lose. And you're playing prevent defense. And you know what it's going to do? It's going to prevent you from winning. Now, now, here's why I'm proud of Herbert Cooper and this church. You guys are on the edge. I mean, somebody didn't tell you there's a slow economy because you back there building. I see it. And somewhere in Matthew 28 where it says reach this whole world and this community, it didn't say slow down during slow economy time. No, it doesn't say that. And you're out on the edge and you're making it happen. And, and let me tell you this. We just built a building. We just moved into a building a few months ago. And, and I can tell you what to expect if you want to know. Uh, you can have a lot more of everything. It's God's going to pour His blessing out. Here, here's the deal. You know that nursery? Some of you are nursery workers. You know all those little snotty-nosed kids in that nursery? You about to have twice as many of them. Those poopy diapers? Oh, they're going to double. Uh, they, hey, if you have three toilets around here that get clogged up on an average, you about to have six. Uh, all the parking, all the cars, double, double, double. But 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 guess what else you get? Double the life changes. Double the people saying yes to Jesus. Double the people that said, I was in bondage and I got within a hundred foot of this place and I sensed God's presence and I came in and it was something that I've never experienced in my life and everything's changed. Double, double, double. God pouring it out. If, if you can believe, He's going to meet you there. Now, now if your response to something uh, that you feel like the Lord wants you to do, if your response is this, God says, do this, do this, do this, and your response is, If, if that's your response, it's good. It's good. Because you cannot do it without invoking the power and blessing of God. You can't. And, and, and here's Moses. And when he kills the Egyptian, God can't use him. He knows he can do it then. Forty years later, God finds him broken, stuttering, walking around in circles, saying, Who am I? And God says, Now, now we're talking. And it leads us to a third R word, and, and the third R word is a request. Verses 8 and 9. Now there's disciples, Andrew, Simon, Peter's brother spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far are they going to go amongst so many? So Philip says, man, it's impossible, can't do it. Andrew, Andrew's a little better. He goes, look, we've got us a lunch here, and so he's at least helping. But they're both wrong. 
Because they're thinking in the realm of the natural, and Jesus is about to do something in the supernatural. Here's your request. So you're like, I can't, I can't, I'm stretched, I can't. Here's a request from God to you. Because you've got issues, you've got hang-ups. There's a thousand reasons why you can't, you can't, can't. Here's God's request. Just give me what you have. What do you have? You, you have some talents, some abilities. You also have some mess-ups. You, you, some things you can't do. You've got some addictions, some habits. Give it all. Give me what you have. And there's a kid there that day, and he's got a Happy Meal. He's got a kid's lunch. This, this, the only thing more ridiculous than having nothing is having this. And, and here's this kid, and he's got five barley loaves, and they're, they're made, mom packed it for a kid. It wouldn't even feed one adult, let alone 20,000. So, so they, they, they're this size, size of a granola bar, and they're real bland, so they have no taste. So, so mom also packs two tiny, really salty fish, size of sardines. And, and you mix it together, and, and, and it has some taste, and you eat and for a kid. It's McNuggets, man. There's a prize inside this thing. It's a happy meal. And, and that's it. That's the request. That's what they have. And today you're saying, I don't have anything. Ah, you got more than this. I promise you, you got more than this with 20,000 people. So, so it, re- it leads to now, and this is important, fourth R word, there's a response. Verse 10. Jesus said, have the people sit down. Plenty of grass in that place. The men sat down, about 5,000 of them. Now, here's your response. Man, you've been stretched. I can't do this, but here's what I have. It's not much. Here's your response. You just obey. You obey. You obey. You don't understand it. You don't get it. You're not sure what the next step is. You obey, and you mix it with a little bit of faith. And we know from the other Gospels that Jesus has the disciples go sit people in groups of 50s and 100s. And, and this would have taken hours, by the way. We read these verses real fast. It would have taken hours. And I don't think they know why they're making these people sit down. Would you? I mean, who ever heard of making food where there is no food? And the last thing on their mind is they're about to have a buffet. I mean, so they're making them sit down, and John hollers at Peter, Peter, hey, do you have a clue why I'm making these people sit down? I don't. thought you did. Maybe Jesus is going to teach them. I don't know. And it brings up a very important principle of obedience, and that is this. You have to follow God step by step. And each step you take, more of the plan is revealed. Each step you take, more of the plan is revealed. But I'm not a Christ follower, and I've got all these questions, and I want to know the meaning of the universe before I make my commitment. You've got to take a step of faith. You've got to take a step of faith. Herb Cooper, go plant people's church. Well, Lord, can you show me what it looks like 10 years from now? <laughs> if I did, it'd freak you out. No. Just take a step of faith. Take a step of faith. It's Abraham. Listen, Abraham, leave your country. Then many, 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 many years later, you're going to receive the promised child. And, and here's the deal. Great opportunities are often disguised as unsolvable problems. And, and it leads us to this. This is big. Fifth thing is a reliance. A reliance. Verse 11. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. This is the verse that tells us Jesus, through his 12 disciples, fed 20,000 people. Read it in one verse. Seems like nothing. Then we go on with the rest of our daily devotions. This would have taken hours, hours. And we have this impression that the disciples were super saints and had a lot of faith. And, and can I encourage you? They didn't. They, you know who they were like? You know who they're like? They're like you <laughs> and like me. That's what they were like. Hey, can you imagine Thomas? Jesus going, here, Tommy. His, his name is Thomas, but his friends call him Tommy. And uh, they're like, here you go. Take this granola bar and go feed 20,000 people. Can you imagine, Thomas? He didn't go, yay, I'm a man of faith. No, 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 no. He took it and starts walking towards 20,000 people and just shakes his head, stops and shakes his head. He looks back at Jesus. Jesus probably trying not to laugh. He's like, are you really going to make me go through with this? He starts walking again towards the 20,000 people. He tells the disciple next to him, let's just do this, get it over with, and show him this is not going to work. Let's do that. So I think he does this. I think Thomas tears off a corner of this granola bar, and he hands it to the guy right here in the front, and he says, here, chew slowly, if I were you. (laughs) And he steps back, and he looks at his granola bar. He's like, whoa, 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 that's the corner's back again. Ooh, I got goosebumps. What happened there? Maybe I made it. Okay, I'm going to do half this time. Hands that to the next guy. Looks at his granola bar again. It's the magical granola bar. It's freaking him out. He goes, ah, it's back again. Ooh, give me chills. And so this time he's like, I'm going to get rid of this thing altogether. Give me the creeps. So he gives the whole thing 
So the next guy looks back in his hand, and it's back again. And, and, and I can't prove this, I can't prove this, I can't prove this. But here's what I think. I think they got more as their faith grew. I think you take the little amount that Jesus gives you, you give it away, you go back and get more. The more you give, the more you get. I think by the end of this thing, the people that were in the front that ate first, they incorporated their help. By the end of it, they are all taking loads of this stuff and throwing it out at the people. Here's your reliance. Here's your reliance. It's 100% on Jesus. That's what it always was. It's what it will always be. Now, you may be wondering, Tommy, how, how do we apply this to our lives today? You know, because, I mean, it sounds good. And this is church, and, you know, talk like this in church feels good, but then i got to go to work tomorrow. And, and I deal with the real world. And on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday, how does this kind of walk and talk for me? And, and I believe it's this. I believe it's this. It's your sixth R word. And, and here's what I think God's going to give you. It's results. He's going to give you results with your faith. Verses 12 and 13, and this is the journey. When they'd all had enough to eat, he says to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled the 12 baskets with the pieces of five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. Here's the results. This is cool. It's multiplication. It is 12 baskets left over. Now, Now, are you doing your math? This is more than you started with. This is Herb Cooper stepping out and having a few people and then going to boot camp and getting it backwards. But he's stepping out in faith. And you look up later, he's on his second building program back here, and you're making a difference in this community. This is multiplication. And, 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 and this is where you take your temporal investments. And this is faith. You invest in the eternal. Now, as a pastor, I don't ever feel guilty for asking people like give or tithe or commit to ministry or do outreaches or get involved in small groups or give their hearts to the Lord. Someone comes in and they don't know the Lord, and I'm, I'm not trying to bully them or push them, but I don't hesitate for a second to say, do you want to connect with Jesus? And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Here's what I know, I'm, here's what I know is going to happen. They're cashing in a Happy Meal, and they're walking out with 12 baskets. That's what I know. And, and, and here's the freaky thing, and, and this is true. You think, you think, here's what you're feeling, whether it's money or whether it's your life, whether it's your heart, you think you're going to have nothing if you risk everything, but the exact opposite is true. You hang on to it, and you're going to lose it. So, so here's a kid, and here's his option. He's got this Happy Meal, and hey, it's your Happy Meal. Mom packed it for you. You can eat it. And, and, and that doesn't mean you're bad, and that doesn't mean you miss heaven. It doesn't mean anything. It just means it's your Happy Meal. Eat it. Or... You can give it up, and right away you're going to lose it. It's going to feel like you lost it. But then uh, you're going to walk away with 12 baskets left over, and you're going to see one of the coolest miracles ever, and we're still going to be talking about you 2,000 years later. So my encouragement to you today is, is take your situation, take your, take your habits, your job, what God's calling you to do, your ministry involvement, your giving, your outreaches, everything that you are, and, and give it to Jesus. Now, now here's what he's going to do. He's going to take them. He's going to feel like he lost it. He's going to make them his own. He's going to bless them, multiply them, use us to distribute them, and then give us more than we started with. Now, now somewhere out there, there's this little boy that has to get 12 full-grown men to help him haul 12 baskets back to his house and uh, explain to his mom what happened. And uh, it's enough to feed his whole village. And uh, here's a kid that knows something about faith. Now, he's going to hear these crazy rumors a few months later about some guy named Jesus that died, but then something crazy happened. He got up from the dead, dead man walking. Crazy, wild story. Something tells me that kid's not going to have a real hard time believing what he hears because he knows there's something about this guy. Let's pray. Lord, we need your faith, man. We walk, Lord, through this life, and it's not easy. Uh, it, it's, it's, there's times when we're on top of the world with our faith, and there's times when we are tested. Some in this room are being tested right now. You're asking them to, to do something with the job or their finances or uh, what they're going through and in this economy or their marriage or their, with their kids, and they're making huge decisions, and some... Uh, their marriage is on the brink of destruction. Others, their faith is right there on the edge, Lord. And, and we need to have faith. It's going to be stretched. We're going to feel like we can't do it, but we're going to be obedient to you. We're going to give it to you. We're going to cash in a happy meal. We're going to walk off 12 baskets. God, encourage us this week. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And, and with your heads bowed, let me just do this really quick. I think 
the, the biggest step of faith is always that, that first step towards Jesus. And, and there are some of you in here right now that you're not yet followers of Christ. And God's been touching your heart lately, man. You can feel it. You can sense it. You walked into these doors today, and you could sense it. You sense something was different. And today, when you leave this place, you do not want to leave the way you came in. You can sense that. There needs to be a spiritual revolution that takes place in your heart and your soul. And some of you, it's been a long time since you've connected with Jesus. And maybe when you were younger, you sensed his presence. But that's just sort of a, a memory and, and, and you need that, and you know you need that, and, and nobody's looking around, so I mean, nobody's going to embarrass you or whatever, but, but I, I want to pray for you. If you need to be a Christ follower, if you and Jesus need to have a come-together moment this morning, I'm going to pray for you before you leave. So if that's you, you want that, you need this Jesus in your heart, and that's, a, that's the step of faith you need to take today, and you feel like you can't, but you're going to, if that's you, would you raise your hand, because I'm going to pray for you. This is going to be a great day for you. If you need that, would you raise your hand? Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Anyone else? Real quick. Thanks. So, so all of you that raise your hand, pray with me right now. Lord Jesus, we need you. Lord, um, would you come into our hearts? We want to be Christ followers. We want there to be that moment where we're never the same again. And we know what you did on the cross. God, it paves the way. Your death brings us life. Your brokenness brings us wholeness. We believe. Lord, we say in our hearts, Lord, that, 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 that you are our Savior. We believe it in our hearts. We confess with our mouth, Lord. This is a moment where we step over the line, and we are Christ followers. God, so would you make that happen in our hearts today? In Jesus' name, amen. This morning I'm talking about vision. I begin the beginning of every year just talking about the vision of the church uh, what the Lord is doing in the church, where we're going, refocusing you back on what we're all about here at People's Church. My title is, The Best is Yet to Come. Do you believe that in this place today? Come on. The best is yet to come. You can follow along with me in your bulletin and take notes and fill in the blanks. Let's begin with our mission statement our mission statement here at People's Church is connecting people to God and to others. Say that with me. Connecting people to God and to others. Let's say that one more time. Connecting people to God and to others. One more time, loud and clear. Connecting people to God and to others. That's what we're all about here at People's Church our foundational scripture for our mission statement here at People's Church is Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 through 40. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. God, he says, Jesus said, Listen, love God with everything within you. Love God. Connect with God. Verse 39 says, And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love people. Connect with people. Verse 40 says, All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. You can sum up all the law and the prophets with these two commandments. It's really simple. Everybody say simple. It's really simple. Love God and love people. And since it's really simple, we're not going to complicate the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're going to keep it really simple. We've got a very simple vision. Matter of fact, if you'll notice in your bulletin, it just spells out the word simple. And we're going to fill in each blank. Our vision is really simple. It's not complicated. It's not hard. It's very, very simple what the Lord has called us to accomplish as a body of believers. Point number one, let's look at the S of the word simple. Point one is this, small groups. Small groups. Church needs are best met. People grow closer to God. Accountability is best established. Relationships are best built in a small group setting. And that's why community groups are a major, major part of the early church of the New Testament. And that's why community groups are a major part of the people's church vision and strategy. I want you to listen to what the Bible says about the early church and the things that they 
emphasized. Acts chapter number 2, verse number 42. <coughs> Excuse me. The Word of God says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. Everybody shout fellowship. fellowship. To the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. Verse 44, all the believers were together. Everybody say together. They were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods. They gave to anyone as he had need. I want you to notice that needs were met because verse 44 says they were together and so needs were being met. Verse 46 says every day they continued, they continued, they didn't quit, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. That's a large worship setting like we do on Sunday mornings and we're going to begin on Saturday nights. They continued to meet together in the temple courts, but I want you to notice this. They also continued to meet together in verse number 46. Six, they broke bread in their homes. Everybody say homes. And ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Church is your pastor. It's my desire to see your needs met. And the best way that your needs are going to be met is through getting involved and plugged in and committed to a community group. Now, I, I thank God that we do have structure and system set up that if you're not in a community group that you can and, and will be ministered to. But the best way is for you getting connected in the community group. I thank God for Shelby Johnson, our care pastor. Shelby, stand up. Some of the people may not even know who you are. Come on, just give it up for Shelby. He may never had a standing ovation before. Come on, give him a standing ovation. <laughs> Shelby's our, our care director, and Shelby does a fabulous job of, of ministering to people and helps me in a tremendous way as I continue to focus on what the Lord's gifted me and called me to do in leading this church and preaching and launching five weekend services and going to be preaching. Some of you say, Pastor, how are you going to do it all? Well, the Lord has put together a team here to help to minister to the church. And thank God for Shelby, who's performing weddings. And Shelby is preaching uh, the funerals and ministering to the saints. And we just thank God for, for what he's doing. Shelby oversees our care ministry. Needs are being met. We have a team of, of people who visit in the hospital, a group of people that feel like that's their calling when they sign up for ministry. They said, I want to be in the hospitals ministering to people. We have a PC cuisine team that if you're not connecting to community group, they'll, that they'll cook meals and bring meals over to you. And we and thank you guys that serve on those hospital teams, on the cuisine teams, to, to minister to the people in, in the body of Christ. But friends, can I tell you, the best way that your needs are going to be met is by doing life together with other believers. By getting connected in a small group where you build relationships can I tell you the best, best ministry you'll ever receive is not Shelby showing up in a, in a hospital room. The best ministry you ever receive is when people that you know, yet you have relationship with, walk with you hand in hand through the crisis of life to love you, to know you, they call you by name, know your kids' names, know your hurts, know your pains. Friends, that only happens when you invest and get committed in a small group. Ministry best happens Care best happens in a small group setting. As your pastor, I don't only want to see you get your needs met, but I want to see you growing in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And that will best take place in a community group, in a small group setting. When a group of people get committed to connecting with each other, believers say, I'm committed to getting together with a group of people on, in a small group, in a community group, on a regular basis. Here's what I know. You will experience spiritual growth if you'll make that commitment. I guarantee it. Iron sharpens iron. And if you'll get around other people, get committed to it, you will experience spiritual growth. You will grow in the Lord. The Bible says this in 2 Thessalonians chapter number 1 and verse number 3. We ought always to thank God for you, brothers, and rightly so, because your faith 
is growing more and more. Should that be a goal of ours as Christians, that our faith is growing more and more. But I want you to catch the end of this verse. And the love every one of you has for each other is increasing. Friends, can I tell you, those two go hand in hand. When people are growing spiritually, they're also growing in their love relationship with other people. They go hand in hand. I, I don't want to pastor a church that people did just sit in classes and just learn and learn and learn and get full of themselves. And they know so much, but they don't love anybody. No, they go hand in hand. we got to connect with each other. We want to grow in the Word together. But when we're growing in the Word together, when our faith is growing, our love relationship is growing. Listen, if you want to really grow in your walk with Jesus Christ, you've got to get committed and connected with another group of believers. You will experience spiritual growth if you'll make that commitment. And here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you right now at the beginning of 2007, would you make the commitment to get committed in a community group. Our community groups are launching next, next weekend. In the foyer, you can jump, 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 uh, go right outside the doors and hang a left on the far wall there. You'll see all the community group information, the directory there. Find one near you, maybe far from you, and get committed. You say, well, Pastor, I want to start something new. I want to get, uh, get on something on the ground floor. Well, January the 28th, that Sunday, we're having community group university. It's going to be one night for two hours right here at the People's Church Auditorium. And what's going to happen is we've got all kinds of, of leaders who are ready to launch a group, their very first group, and you're going to be able to come. And we're going to have people from different areas of the city here, different age groups, different, uh, the different emphasis in life, where they are in their stage of life. And you're going to be able to come and connect with them for a couple of hours, get to know some folks, and get to go out and launch a community group through Community Group University. There is something for you to get involved, get connected, so that you can grow in your relationship with Christ, have accountability, and be cared for. Also, we're launching starting point. You're here and you're a new believer. Maybe you're here and you're just brand new back to church, man. We're we're glad to have you here. And maybe you're here and you just want to grow more in your relationship with Christ. You want to grow more in your faith. We're starting point. We're launching that class. It's it's, it's simply the class we had last last semester, so don't get confused. If you attended that eight, ten-week class that I taught, it's the same class, just repackaged with more fellowship so people can get to know each other. But on Wednesday nights, right here in, in the church building, we're having start starting point to help you grow in your relationship with Christ, grow in your faith, and connect with other believers so that you can begin to do life together, have your needs met, and grow spiritually. Right now, would you just process in your mind and say, Pastor, I'll make that commitment. I will get involved in a community group. It's biblical. It's a part of our vision. And I believe with all my heart, needs are best met. People grow best spiritually. Accountability is best established. Relationships are best built in a small group setting. You can worship with the crowd, but you can't fellowship with one. Point number two. Point number two. We're list- it's very simple what we're trying to get done. First of all, small groups. Number two is integrated. The I is integrated. And People's Church is focused on creating an environment where all people can connect with God. We're going to be a church that's integrated, not segregated. Can you say amen? I said we're going to be a church that's integrated, not segregated. We're going to be a church that celebrates diversity, not tolerated. We're going to be a church that's friendly, that's loving, that welcomes people no matter what they've done, no matter what they look like, and no matter who they are. We're going to love them. We're going to care for them. They may come in looking all kinds of different ways. But this church will be a loving, friendly church. This is and this will be a church with different skin colors, different cultures, different ages, different financial statuses, different denominations, worship, Jesus Christ together. As I've said over and over and over, our goal is for this church to be a little heaven on earth. How many know that heaven's going to be integrated? I know some of you thought it might be segregated, but oh no, friends, it's going to be integrated. Scripture says in Revelation chapter number 7, verse number 9, the Word of God reads after this, talking about in heaven, after this I looked And there before me was a great multitude that no one 
could count. I mean, it was a massive group of people. No one could count us from every nation, every tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb, in front of Jesus Christ. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God. Everybody shout our God. Every time I preach this and read this scripture, it gets me excited. It belongs to our God. I mean, it, it, God is the black man's God, the white man's God, the Indian man's God, the Hispanic's God, the Mexican's God, the Chinese God, the Japanese. He's our God. He's the Baptist God, the Methodist God, the Pentecostal's God, the Nazarene's God, the Lutheran's God. He is our God. We're going to be integrated, not segregated. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Friends, we are called to be a church of diversity. We won't... We We won't tolerate diversity. We will celebrate it. Number three. The third letter, as we're working our way down the word simple, the third letter is ministry. Ministry. And one of the things that, that really excites me as a pastor is when I see people use their gifts and their talents to advance the kingdom of God. That excites me when I see people catch it. They catch the vision, they realize God wants to use them, and they begin to get engaged in ministry and make a difference. That really excites me. And friends, you all are such smart, you're such bright people, you're such gifted people, and many of you are using your giftedness to minister to other people. And you're making a difference day in and day out by serving people. And I just want to say thank you, I commend you. Thanks for your servant's heart to make a difference in people's lives. Scripture says this in First Peter chapter 2 and verse number 9. It says, but you are a chosen people. God's chosen you. You're not here by accident. You're in the kingdom. God chose you. His hand's upon you. He's chosen you to make a difference. He, he, he didn't choose you just to come to church. He chose you to be the church, to, to make a difference in people's life. He goes on to say, a, a royal priesthood. Friends, you're a priest. You know, in our American culture, we look at me and we say, Herbert's the priest. Herbert, I mean, if Herbert's not there, no ministry's going to happen. No, 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 you're the priest. Uh, we, we're going to get that mentality. But you are the priest. You are a minister. I know you think my prayers work better than yours, but they don't. You're a priest. God wants to use you. A holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Friends, can I just encourage you to do something? If you're not involved in a ministry, if you're not serving in the local church, friends, I didn't create the local church, God did. This was his idea. For whatever reason, God chooses to use the local church as a vehicle to, 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 to carry the gospel message all across the world. And I want to encourage you to experience one of the greatest joys in the Christian faith. And that's serving other people by using your gifts and your talents. I can't explain it, but there's no greater joy than when you're a servant like Jesus Christ and you begin to serve other people, you will experience tremendous, tremendous joy. Let me say this to some of you today. You're here and you say, Pastor, I want to get involved in ministry, but you don't have a ministry right now that I I, I desire, that I have a passion for. Well, let me encourage you to do something, launch a new ministry. Our community groups, that's why we designed them to be flexible, because we knew that God was going to bring people here with different gifts, different talents, different abilities. And we here at People's Church want you to be you and do what you do. We have a a short process uh, that you can go through to become a community group leader, and you can launch whatever community group that you want to launch. You can launch a prison group. You can launch a group that every week goes feed the homeless. You can launch a group that every week goes and to the nursing home and maybe you can sing and sing songs and minister to the people in the nursing home. You can launch a, a bus ministry. You have a bus and you want to pick up folks, man, we'll help you and encourage you to do that. Whatever your gift, whatever your talent, we really want you to be you and do what you do. You're a priest. God wants to use your life. He wants to use your talent. Maybe you want to use, be a scrapbooking group. Maybe it's a Starbucks group. 
Whatever it might be, we want you to use your passion and your gifts to minister to other people. Get plugged into a ministry. There's, there's no excuse that you shouldn't be using your gifts and talents to make a difference to advance the kingdom of God. I would also want to encourage you one more way to get involved in the ministry in 2007, and that's by going on a mission trip. Going on a mission trip. We'll be offering several opportunities for you this year to go on a mission trip, to take the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're going to have some mission trips here in America, but we're also going to be going overseas to carry the gospel outside of the United States to carry the gospel of Jesus Christ and to bring hope and life and ministry to other parts of our world. Our first mission trip this year is March the 18th. It's in your bulletin, March the 18th through the 24th to Acuna, Mexico. This cost, the cost is only three. $350. That's it. For all week, $350. Now, you might not be eating uh, Olive Garden for $350 all week long, but uh, you, you will be taken care of. But it's a way for you to get engaged in ministry. It's a way for you to go and to make a difference in your life. And I, I've been on several mission trips. And you know who gets changed the most? You go there fired up to minister to other people to make a difference. You know who gets changed the most is you, is me. Every time I go overseas, I get a new perspective. I realize how blessed we are. I realize how so many people are less fortunate. And I come back with a new perspective, a new passion for God, a new zeal to make a difference in the kingdom of God. I would encourage you this year, would you pray about seriously going on a mission trip and letting God use you to make a difference around the world? Number four, there's a fourth thing, and we're just working our way down the word simple. S is small groups. I is integrated. M is ministry. Number four is proclaiming God's word. Proclaiming God's word. Friends, People's Church is going to be a creative church. I think you probably realize that we're not stuck in tradition or rituals. If you haven't realized that, you're probably here in your first Sunday, but if you Keep coming back. You'll probably realize pretty quickly that we're not stuck in tradition. We're not stuck in rituals. We'll probably do things differently than how you grew up. How many of you grew up in church in here? Some of you, you already know we're doing things differently than probably how you grew up. Some of you, it's a whole different ball game. Your preacher's not even wearing a suit. I'm going to really mess you up when I come up here with blue jeans. I'm going I'm to, I mean, you're going to think the anointing left. I mean, we're doing things, we're doing things differently, and we will continue to do things differently. We will continue to constantly improve, we'll constantly be changing to make things better around here so that we can effectively reach more people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But here's what I want you to know. You can look around and see it. Some of you look, came in here today, we got another screen over there. What's that white stuff hanging on the wall? What they doing around here? I mean, change is always happening to improve things, to reach more people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But here's what I want you to know here at People's Church. There's one thing you can count on. We're 100% committed to proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. Friends, the method may change, but listen, the message will never change. We're going to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're going to proclaim it boldly. We're going to proclaim it clearly. Jesus Christ saves. Jesus Christ changes lives. We're not committed to any method, but we are very committed to the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're committed to the word of God. We believe we believe it's the infallible Word of God. It's inspired by God. We believe the Word of God changes lives and the method may change. But friends, we're going to be committed with all of our hearts to the Word of God and proclaiming it through music, through video, through the preaching of God's Word. We're committed to it. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We believe the Word of God changes lives, and we're going to proclaim it boldly. Number five, number five, the word simple, the L is love. 
love. Friends, I, I really believe this as I have processed and I've thought about this church and what the Lord is doing here and how he's blessed this church. And I'm, I'm very humbled by what the Lord continues to do here at People's Church. And one of the reasons I firmly believe why the Lord is blessing this church is because People's Church has always focused on the love of God. We're a church of peace. We're a church of love. We're a church of unity. We're a church that we're all pulling in the same direction. And I believe God has honored that unity and that peace and that love. And let me say to you today, if you like being a part of a church that is full of disunity, that is full of hatred, that is full of gossip, that is full of chaos, that is full of problems, this is not the church for you. I can help you find one. But this is not the church for you. We will continue to be a church that emphasizes the love of God. We will be a church that is full of peace and full of unity. We'll be a church where the love of God presides and reigns and rules. And friends, can I tell you, as I read the Word of God, Scripture talks frequently over and over and over about the love of God, about peace, and about unity in the body of Christ. You can't read the Word of God and not see those things as a common theme throughout the Bible. It's over and over and over and over again. I, I don't have time today to read all the Scriptures that, that talk about love and unity and peace. Let me just share a few with you today. Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 1 through 6. The Bible says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you. I mean, he is writing with urgency. I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be hum completely humble and gentle. And where we mess up is when we get full of pride, when everything becomes about us be humble and gentle be patient bearing everybody say everybody say bearing. bearing this is so key bearing with one another in love now we gotta sometimes bear with one another trust me i say this frequently but it's so true you're going to do things that i don't like i'm going to do things that you don't like your friends your neighbors folks in this church they're going to do some things that you don't like and we've got to learn to bear with one another in love. Friends, I, I know some of you are perfect. I'm not. I'm just confessing to you. I make, I make some mistakes. I'm not the all-wise one. And, and if every time I say something you don't like, and I will, I do something you don't like. I don't think that's green is straight. I'll tell you what, I'm leaving. Well, listen, listen, you've got to get in the church. There's not one perfect. And you've got to learn to bear with one another in love. Verse 3 says, make every effort. I love that. Make every effort. I mean, we've got to do everything that we can to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope, when you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. Second Corinthians chapter 13 and verse number 11 says, finally, brothers... Goodbye. Aim for perfection. Listen to my appeal. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 through 4 says, If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and in purpose. And I encourage you, if the Lord ever leads you to leave people's church and you get connected in another ministry, in another local church, when you get there, be in one spirit and one purpose. Don't go there with our vision and say, well, here's what Pastor Cooper does. No, 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 no. When you get connected, be in one spirit and purpose. And here's what we have to do, all of us. I have to do it. You have to do it. Verse 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition. 
But we all get full of self. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Whenever you or I destroy peace in the fellowship, we're not in the will of God. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. But in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Each one should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Everybody say this with me. Now, this is going to be hard, but say this with me. It's not about me. Oh, that hurts, doesn't it? Come on, let's say it one more time. It's not about me. Look also to the interests of others. John chapter 13 and verse number 35 says, By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. This church will be a church of love, peace, and unity. Point number six, and I'm closing. The last letter as we're looking through the word simple, the last word is evangelism. Evangelism. Luke chapter number 19 and verse number 10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. That was Jesus' primary purpose for leaving heaven and coming to earth. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 8 through 9 says, But do not forget this one thing. Dear friends, with the Lord a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Everybody shout, everyone. Friends, it really is God's desired heart that everyone is saved, knows Jesus Christ, and there's nothing impossible with God. Everyone. I'm talking about that person, that family member that you think they're too hard-hearted to get saved. God wants them saved. Everyone. I'm talking about that co-worker, that boss that you think there's no way. There's no, I mean, there's no way God even wants them saved. Oh, no, friends. God wants everyone to come to repentance and to know him as Lord and Savior. And friends, we're going to continue to be a church that reaches out to people who need to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Friends, we're going to focus a great deal of our attention on reaching the unconvinced and not just trying to keep the convinced. We're going to be a church that doesn't just focus inward, but we're going to be a church that keeps our focus Outward. Everybody said one more time, it's not about me. You're saved. You know God. You're going to heaven. You love the Lord. And it's lost and dying in a hurting world who doesn't know Jesus Christ as a personal Lord and Savior. And if we're not careful, we'll make church all about us. And we'll forget that we're here not to come to church, but to be the church. We're here to reach hurting people, lost people. I don't have time to sit around and argue with Brian. We're both going to heaven. <laughs> I preach some sermons he don't like. He's seen some music I don't like. He can go get his favorite preacher listen to it. I can go get my favorite worship person listen to it in my car. I know it. I got a Christian. But we're not going to argue. We're pulling together. White man, black man. I'm him yesterday. He's taller than me, but we'll get there. I'm, I'm eating my Wheaties. We're pulling together in unity to reach a city, to impact this world, to reach hurting people who need to know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. And I can say, taste and see that the Lord is good. He's good. And I want to introduce as many people as possible to a loving, gracious, merciful, heavenly Father. I close with this, church. I have a dream to see a church with worldwide influence, a church so large in size that cities and nations are impacted by its ministries, a church growing so quickly that buildings struggle to contain the increase. I have a dream to see a church where there is a diversity of cultures, ages, economic backgrounds, worshiping, 
the King of Kings. I have a dream to see a church that ha- always has heartfelt praise and worship that touches heaven and changes earth with worship that exalts Jesus Christ through powerful songs of faith and hope. I have a dream to see a church that is so dependent on the Holy Spirit that nothing will stop it nor stand against it. A church whose people are unified, praying, and full of the Holy Spirit. I have a dream to see a church whose message is so clear that lives are changed forever and potential is fulfilled through the power of His Word. I have a dream to see a church so compassionate that people are drawn from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. I have a dream that people are so kingdom-minded that they count whatever the cost and pay whatever the price to see revival sweep the Oklahoma City metro and the entire world. I have a dream to see a church so committed to raising, training, and empowering a leadership generation to reap the end-time harvest that all of its ministries are consumed with this goal. Church, I have a dream to see a church whose head is Jesus whose help is the Holy Spirit, and whose focus is the Great Commission. And with God's help, with us walking in love, walking in unity, with the help of the Holy Spirit, that will be our church, people's church. The Lord has been good to us. The Lord has allowed us to accomplish a lot in four and a half years. But I'm totally convinced of this. The best is yet to come. Buckle up. Keep dreaming. Keep embracing the vision. And let's reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not just convinced of that for this church. I'm convinced in your life. The best. It doesn't matter what you've been through. How bad you've been hurt, the divorce that happened, the pain you've experienced, the best is yet to come. Your best days are still ahead of you. Lord, 